back on? Okay. The the thing of being aware, I mean, when Karen talked about that guy, I'm usually not aware of things a lot. And I actually didn't hear her, so I didn't know what she was talking about. But I had chosen, decided to be aware of what's going on around me a lot more. Because one of the biggest things about warfare is understanding what's going on in our midst. We don't really get it. I've talked to so many people, and I've actually gone tried to do some research now and over the years about spiritual warfare. But when you really get down, there's all a bunch of smoke and mirrors. They had absolutely no clue what warfare is about. And I, I tell you, I don't care what pastor I was talking to, they didn't have a clue what warfare is about. And, but I think it's a season and a time right now that God's teach us what warfare is about because he calls us to be in it. It's an end times thing. And it causes us to become and go to levels that we've never gone to before. We have to come to a level and press ourselves to become everything God called us to be. Because that's what God wants to do. Throw up the first slide. This is a, 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 probably one of the most well-known scriptures of all. And I'm just going to pull one line out of it. It's the Lord's Prayer. This is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. On earth that is in heaven. That prayer there is asking that God's kingdom rule and reign, that's what his kingdom is, becomes in you as or on earth, this earth here as it is in heaven. But you know, that's not the only one that does that prayer. The enemy has the same prayer. He wants his rule and reign to come on earth as it is in heaven. His heaven, the second heaven. That's his point. He wants it. Now, what's the battleground? It's us. Why is it us? Genesis 1. Remember in Genesis 1, he gave it to us? And, and sin didn't rule and reign. Remember Romans? Sin didn't rule and reign until after the fall. Was around. The enemy was around. Why didn't it rule and reign? Because until man fall, fell, and gave over to the kingdom of darkness. The enemy had no foothold here. He had no ability to rule here. So the battle is for you. Your mind, your soul, your being. That's the battle that goes on. And the enemy is intent on taking you. If he can't take you, he can't take this earth and his whole game plan is gone. And the same with the Lord. If he doesn't have, capture your heart and he doesn't have a people... He doesn't win either. You're the battleground. You're the battleground. And if you're asleep in the light, you're going to get the light taken away from you. God wants to express his majesty of who he is in you. He wants you to get who he is and enjoy who he is and rule and reign in you. There's some things that stop that, and that's what I want to talk about. I, uh, let's go to the next uh, slide. The next slide here is we've mentioned before the difference between a strategy and a tactic. A strategy is an overall thing. Strategy of, of the enemy basically is the last one, just to kill you. The enemy wants to bring pain and suffering. He wants to burden you with guilt and, and, and fear until you're absolutely unable to function. And he wants to kill you spiritually and then physically. Why does he want to kill you physically? Because when you're dead, it's a final thing. It's done and over then. Uh, some of you, the guy won't be back here, I'm sure. I saw me talking to a guy who, out there, uh, who believed he's an angel. And when we really got down to it, he really believed that he was an incarnate from one of these, uh, uh, 
and, you know, masters, of Buddhist masters. Totally thing. He got a new life, he thought. No, he didn't get a new life. He's under full deception. Full, full, complete deception. So I challenged him on a few things, and he lost. You know, because he was in me is greater than he was in him or in the world. That's who it is. Because the battleground's here, and we have a greater God than there. So we don't have to be afraid. Here's the thing. What the enemy wants to do, this is strategy. He wants to bring you into a battle on his field, by his design, under his control, and his timing. That's what he wants to do. That, that in a nutshell. He wants to do that. He wants to take you out of your game and get you in his game. Put it in lay terms right now. And if he can do that, he's got you. If you're asleep, he can do that, believe me. <laughs> Matter of fact, he probably won't even mess with you because you're already gone. He wants control. He wants to play you to the place that you're most vulnerable of all. You know, he wants to find out what your weakest and things you're afraid of the most, all those different things. He wants to bring you there and exploit it because he wants to take you. I was trained to fight as a martial artist. I learned to find people's weak points by absolute instinct. It becomes instinct after a while. When they do something, you don't even think about it. It goes. The enemy works like that, too. We're in a battle for this kingdom to rule and reign here and for your lives. We're actually growing into, and I believe on purpose, a very, very hard time in our country's history. So we'll wake up. So we'll come out of our comfort zone. So we'll think, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? When we worry about this little realm here, which is nothing compared to the realm ahead. So he wants, the next thing he wants to do is find your weakness and exploit them. Then he wants to cut your supplies and power. So you'll break covenant and move from the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness. That's what he wants to do. It's a plain and simple. It's a strategy. I've been reading uh, a book called The Art of War. I just started it. And it starts and deals and the whole thing comes with understanding of some basic things and strategy. It isn't about tactics. Right now it's about strategy. He who understands the strategy to the fullest wins. He who has an understanding of, of the powers and the weaknesses of the other person wins. And the war is very, very basic. Very, very basic. It's dealing with where you can bring somebody, where you can take control of the situation, the, the design, the battle that you're going to be in, in the field you want to, in the timing is, cut off the person's supplies, by therefore cutting off their power and kill them. Real simple plan. That's what the enemy does. I showed you in Genesis 3, that's exactly what he did. Genesis 3 was the very, very first strategy of the plan of the enemy. And we're going to start picking it apart right now a little bit more. The enemy is a legalist. You know what a legalist is? They work by rules and regulations. And he's willing to catch you in your rules and regulations to destroy you. Because that's who he is. I'm not playing by his plans. That's why God tells you not to judge and not to live by the rules. And that's why the Old Testament didn't work. Why? Because it's the enemy's plan. Okay. He's, he's a legalist and he wants to draw you into that, that realm. He wants to draw you away from the Lord. By breaking covenant, you see, God, when, when the enemy broke covenant the very, very first time, he thought it was over. He'd won. But see, God provided another plan that he would be able to have access where we would not have to lose covenant because we mess up and sin. Are you going to mess up and sin? 
I guarantee you will this day before the day's out. How many times? I don't know. But you know what? It doesn't really matter. The matter is being in covenant with God. The matter is to be in a relationship with him. Matter is to get your supply from him. And matter is to know that you're forgiven, that the rules and the regulations of, uh, are not to hold you. They were there just as a guideline to let you know what's pleasing to God. And you say yes to God and you're there. So how does he, how's he going to end up killing you and destroy you? Yeah, he's going to wound you in every single way. Do you remember the first thing of the uh, weapons, the first weapon they had was, remember the weapons, the sword of intimidation, the spear of treachery, and the arrows of accusation, gossip, slander, and fault finding? These weapons, if you'll notice, are all fear-based. Every single one of them are fear-based. And that is going to be the very, very first battle. Fear. You know, that's what we all are killed on a continual basis on. There's two opposites in this world, fear and faith. And I told you they're actually currencies of two separate kingdoms. Fear is the kingdom of darkness. So he wants you to operate in that. So you're operating under his control and his design in the field that he wants to. Faith is the kingdom of light. Fear operates by using hate. Faith operates by using love. That's the manifestation of what, what uh, the two different kingdoms go. Let's go to the next slide. Can you read this? This is Numbers 13, 27 through 33. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed, like, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Why am I going over this? When I, I moved here, this is the scriptures that God gave me. It was about taking the land, the promised land. It's a big thing. It's the thing that the base of the Israelite nation was judged on. Remember that? They were never allowed to enter. Because of this particular thing here. Caleb went before us and said, we should go up and take possession of land. We can certainly do it. The cowards, which was the majority, says we can't. The giants are big. What are the giants of today? It's the demonic realm. That's what the, the giants of today are. It's the demonic realm. Are you afraid of the demonic realm? I bet you most of you are. Shame on you. They did not make it because they were afraid of it. We can't be. It is ours to take the land. That's what God said. It is ours to take the land. It is not only our ability, it's our calling to take the land. It 
It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. When you said yes to God, he took you at your yes. And he, and he means for you to follow through with that. We have to move from here to here. We have to take this higher level because we're commanded to. The demonic realm out there, we don't go picking fights with them. The enemy will pick the fights at, at whatever time he particularly wants. That's what he'll plan on doing. And we can go with that for a little bit. Or we can come around the other side of him and pick fights with him on the realms that he's dealing with us at. You know, as the scripture says, you know, it, it, it's, we don't fight against flesh and blood against principalities. But, you know, i got to admit to you, I often don't think that way. When somebody comes and really acts out to me, I'm usually thinking, you turkey, I'm going to get you. <laughs> you know, I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm pulling an Eddie thinking, you know, I'm not going to be from Detroit today. I'm not going to use the old, the old stuff. Or am I going to use what? You know, Karen said something interesting on the way here, and I think it's a really important fact. I get, people can pick me off, you know, like especially on the road. <laughs> I have a weakness there. I just told the enemy, that's all I have a nice driver too. And he's, he, I just, anytime you tell the enemy stuff like that, he lists, he's listening. He will use it against you. So, anyway, well, I'm going to get over that. Hey, you know how I beat him? I will beat him by doing this every time he does somebody bad to me, I'm going to bless him back. I'm going to be kind and I'm going to go farther than that because when I do that, the enemy is going to make me very nice and very good to people. And he doesn't like that. That's the same way when people tell me that they have, oh, I have these bad, bad, you know, the enemy keeps on bugging me and I keep on having these lustful thoughts. Well, okay, I've told people this before a million times. Okay, every time he gives them a lustful thought, you start praying and talking to God. That's how I've conquered him. Every time the enemy would give me something was, was that I didn't like, I said, oh, it's time to pray. Get to the enemy, it's time to pray. Get to the anger, and it's time to press into God. That's what I did. And by doing that, I conquered the enemy. He does not want to make me the most praying person on the face of the earth. That's what he was doing. So if you learn how to use those things, you use things against him. It's martial arts. You know, use their strength against them. That's what you do. So, we cannot be the cowards that says, I'm afraid of the enemy. We cannot be that. We have to be the ones, like Caleb. They were able to enter the land. They're the only ones... If you don't remember the story, they were the only ones that were able to enter the land. They were the only ones. Those two, and then they had to let the whole generation die out for a new generation to go in. Can you read Hebrews 3, the whole chapter? It's a long chapter. No, it's not up there. I didn't have time. God rewrote my message this morning for me. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Therefore, holy brethren... Who share in the heavenly calling. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. The now listen to this, guys. You are the ones with the heavenly calling. You are. Fix your, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor. Are you at three? Genesis chapter three? He said Hebrews. Hebrews 3, I mean. Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3. We are? Yeah. Doesn't sound. Okay, go ahead. Maybe it'll be. Did it work this morning, Bob? It was early. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews 3. Yeah, that's pretty good. It gets to it about 
Come on, keep on going then. Okay. Sorry. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as, as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. If you were to, if you were to tack a whole bunch of the scriptures of the New Testament, you would hang them on a Hebrew statement. It's all about hearing and obeying, hearing and doing, able to hear what God says and believe him. But what gets in our way? Fear. Fear is the very probably the, well, it is, the, like I say, the currency of the kingdom of darkness. It's what the enemy is going to try to use to cause you to fail at whatever. Steve talked about this morning. He, he talked about that all during the week, He's fighting this thing. His wife was praying through with him to help him believe that he could complete this project and do well at it. Now, this is based on, this part I'm especially here, this is based on something I had to talk with Don Paul. And something he said really struck. It's one of those conversations that you're in and he talks about it and all of a sudden God expands it to much, much more. And he's talking about the thing of having fear Gone out of your life. See, if you operate in fear, you can't operate in faith. Do you get that? Get the next slide here. Fear and faith are mutually exclusive of one another. If you have fear, now us are prophetic, we know that it, it, fear kills the prophetic. Well, because it kills faith and it kills your walk with God. And faith puts out fear. Perfect love, faith, and all that. That's not all fear. Okay, go ahead and read these. He said to his disciples, Who are, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? In whom, because of our faith in him, we dare to have the boldness, courage, and confidence, a free access, an unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear. Now my righteous person shall live by faith, but if he draw back in fear, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. This couple, the whole book is filled with them. But the idea is if you operate in fear, if you draw back in fear, you'll have no pleasure in you. Because why? 
Because it kills faith. Because what? You move from one kingdom to the other. Now, fear is something you can't tolerate. You know, if you have something, like if you have a cancer, if you have a cancer in the area, what do they do? They cut it out. They burn it out. And they drug it out. They want to do everything so there's not one of those cells left in you. You have to be that diligent with fear. You have to be that diligent with fear. Now, you don't think, well, I don't have fear. How about, have you ever asked for something, then all of a sudden, what comes up in you? What if it doesn't happen? Doesn't that come up in you? Now, what usually happens? We, we kind of do something to protect God, don't we? Like, well, I'll make it this or that and, and this perfect will or, uh, or whatever that I don't have to trust God. Because if we do, and God doesn't give us what we think we're asking for, then what? Then we're going to lose who God is. Well, that, that doesn't really work. You may think that works. You may think you can protect God. But the truth is, God has need protecting. He is God. And so when you sit there and, and take that, and how about, uh, well, we all done the stuff, you know, uh, uh, we'll make excuses for this, not to believe God for what he said he's going to do. Or how about that job you want that you can't get or business you can't get? You know, Eric's a good example of somebody who really presses on through. You know, he's, he's fighting through and contending, and sometimes God doesn't have the thing materialized right that second. But it's the exercise of that process that causes our faith to grow. So put on the next slide. You'll be fine. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I hope you guys are paying attention because you're going to get a chance to try it in a few minutes. Okay, go to the next slide. I will not. Wait a minute. Oh, hang on. Uh, what I want to talk about now is a process of being ruthless in your life to get rid of fear in your life. And I don't know, you know, I know my brain, and I can see it very quickly when it comes in. And how to press it out of my mind is, I don't know if you can see that or you can feel that or you understand what's going on your side of yourself that much. You know, I, I've spent a lot of time pressing on stuff like this, so I usually know what's going on in here. But the reason I put the scripture in Exodus here is because it's a process to do this. And this process here is the same, this scripture here, I will, uh, uh, Exodus 23:29-30. I will not drive them out in a single year, still talking about the promised land, because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Now, we all know that particular scripture uh, from there, and we know it from the thing of when it talks about dealing with the demonic realm in a person's life. And it says, you know, you can't throw them out, you don't fill it with something else. The Holy Spirit, what we usually think about, then they're going to be, they'll, have seven, they'll bring seven spirits worse than the other in there and occupy it. Why is that? Because whenever there's a void, the enemy will fill it. There's a void in your life, the enemy will fill it. 
Anytime there's a void, the enemy's going to fill it. Voids do not stay there. They create vacuums, and things come in and replace the things. I've watched it over and over again in many, many parts of life. So we have to replace, when we take out fear, we have to replace it with what? Faith, obviously. Faith. That has to go in there and take a place. Is it going to happen in two seconds in your life? No, but it is going to happen. If you get on this track and decide to do this rather than sit here on Sunday alone and listen to this, but you decide that this during the week you're going to try some of this stuff. It's kind of like going to a workout and work out once a week and wonder why the muscle doesn't get any bigger. <laughs> it's an exercise. This is a, literally an exercise, and I'm dead serious about it. You know, you need this to survive, but you really need it to take the land. Give me the next thing. Wait a minute here. We missed the thing. Uh, there's a, where's the thing, the circle thing? You see it in there? Yeah. Nope, keep on going. That. Remember this? Those of you who've been around long enough, this? We spent a lot of time in here, and I laid down foundations. You'll see me pulling on different foundations, and you're not understanding why I talk about something, then I'll come back to it later, and I'll build on it. Because it's like everything is kingdom, just like mathematics, just like learning of any type. It's developed with building blocks. You may not understand as I go with a building block, and go, oh, that's nice, and that's helpful, but I don't get it. But I'll be putting ones next to it so I can build on it so we can get something. This one right here. We talk about this as the spirit man here, the soul man, the body man. We talked about the different gates and sanctifying the gates so that, that they work one way. The one way they're going to work one way or another. Either you're going to have things from the outside influence who you are on the inside or the things, uh, could you open that, Tom? Or the things on the inside influence on the outside. What's on the center, what's designed to be the center of your life is one thing, God. Period. Nothing else, no one else but God. That's who's designed that. First thing is love. What will happen if you have fear? Block that gate. Right off. You won't be able to, won't be having. Shuts off God. Uh, shuts off your supply. If you get my, get my, where I'm coming from. If he shuts off God, if he moves you out of from, uh, from, uh, faith to fear, he shuts off God and he opens up what? Fear. And as fear's gate is opened up, it increases. He'll come in and fill you. And that's what happens. So what has to happen? We have to push fear out of us. We have to be so diligent about taking the place and removing fear from our life, that we function in a place of faith. What is that going to do for you? Well, first of all, the things that you ask for, you're going to get answered. And most of all, you're going to figure out real quickly, you don't want the ones that you want. You want the ones answered that God wants. Because if you start having some of your own prayers answered that are just from your soul, you know, and he will answer those. It really does say that. It says if you ask for anything, throw in a fig tree, there's nothing spiritual about drying up a fig tree. There's nothing spiritual about throwing a mountain to the ocean. Do you get that? There is nothing. So why is he using those examples? Because even, even the things that aren't even of the kingdom, you can actually pull those things off of. You'll get something that you probably don't want. I can't tell you how many people I've seen pray for mates that they shouldn't have had and got them because God just permissive will, people call it. But it's just faith in action. And their life is destroyed from it. So I'd be very careful what you pray for Learn to listen to God and pray what God's asking you to pray for. That's what you've got to pray for. But I fully intend that we get to this place that we ask for stuff and it comes in there. But what do we do? Now, talk to me here, guys. When you think of something, let's think of something right now. Um, 
Uh, what is something you've hoped for? I want you to visualize what you hope for right now in your mind. And then I want you to, something, hopefully you're listening to what God's asking for, but something maybe God has shown you. You know, and remember, you're not taking the whole land at once. You know, you're going to go step by step. And I, I want you to ask God for that and find and tell me if you can feel the enemy come to you and say, well, this, uh, that kind of, uh, you feel that ever? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Actually, actually, I prayed for a bunch of work, mm-hmm. and I got it. And then I'm like... Sitting there, it's like, okay, you're not going to make it through this. Yesterday I had like a 14-hour day and fog machines and all this other stuff. It's like, I don't want to do this. And the first thing that entered my mind is, well, you prayed for it, you got it, so you're, just not, you're not up to it. You can't do it. What about when you get a, the real game? You can't even do this one. You know, I mean, it's like all the stuff that's entering in your head, it totally was distracting me from finishing up what I was doing. I didn't want to be there. It got to the point where I was like, I don't do that. I don't even wear a watch. I don't care what time it is. I work until I'm done. Right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to, I wanted nothing more to be done and out of there. I didn't want to deal, I had students, I didn't want to deal with them. I didn't want to help anybody, I didn't want to do anything. And then finally I got like turned around and I got something that I believed was God and it's like, this is your game. <laughs> this is what you asked for, hello? And then I kind of started to mellow out a little bit and made it through the rest of a couple hours. But yeah, I was, I, I was beating myself up and shortchanging myself in all kinds of ways. Yeah, that's asking for stuff that, you know, maybe more careful exactly what you ask for, the type of things you ask for. But what I want to talk about now is that thing where that doubt comes up in you. Can you think of something, pray something right now, and feel that doubt? Who can? Raise their hand. Anybody else? The one person gets it, two people get it. You can get it. Okay. What that is right there is fear. Did you guys get that? What she talked about is fear. If that's in there, it ain't going to happen. How do you get rid of that? How do you drive it from your being? I can't be up here giving the answer because this can be different in each one of us. But that's what we're going to talk about. There is a way. I, can, I am seeing myself driving it from me right now. I mean, just a... Uh, uh, a, a, a little thing, you know, I did, my daughter, my wife dropped my daughter's iPod, ran it through the washing machine, figured it out, and we pulled it out like that. Now I drove, dried it out, and they often will work that way. But And I started the thing working, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really work, it wouldn't work. And so I laid hands on it, I just began to press that thought out of my mind, you know. I have no room for that. That that fear, that doubt, that reasons why not. If it doesn't work, then you can explain to me, God. You know, it worked. Backlight works. The whole thing worked. It started working. It was an exercise of how to push fear and doubt. Fear is brother is doubt. You know, they're cousins, whatever. Doubt is fear. You know, uh, uh, unbelief, fear. It all, all comes from the same root. If you looked at the fall, it, it, a lot of the stuff I can sit there, you see it in the seed form there. But fully grown, it was fear that there was fear of not being what, it, but what, what all they could be. The enemy, enemy uh, expanded on how I know it is the very first thing. They're afraid. They were naked. 
That was the first manifestation of the fall. I was afraid. I was naked, you know, so they made themselves clothes and hid from one another. That hid and introspection, all the stuff I've talked about many times. But the first manifestation was fear. Why did it have to be that manifestation? Because the enemy wanted to take man from a place of faith and grace under God to another battlefield, one of fear. Once he did, he won. If he can take you and move you out of that place of faith into a place of operating out of fear, he's won. He'll kill you. You have no, you've, because once you move out of uh, faith into fear, then you have to operate on your own strength. Your own strength up against the enemy, the demonic realm, you're going to get killed. You can't stand with your own strength up against the demonic realm. They are stronger than us. But he who is in us is stronger than he who is in the world. But we're in him. When we go into that place of faith, we have greater strength than him. That's why when that, that, that guy out here was talking about, and he had some, he had some power on him, you know. Wasn't afraid of him. I don't go pick a fight with that, you know. Now, if I, if he was a person out there that I was to deal with, which I did, I started building some things around him, you know, spiritually and things that I said. I'm going to change his game. I'm going to come at him and I'm, I'm going to take him to a different battle. I'm going to bring him in my, my grounds. Okay, prove your, prove your power. Let's see who operates in faith. I'm going to pick that. I, you know, we go to the New Age stuff. You have to. That's like I think baby, baby ground version of warfare is in, in this New Age stuff. Not that there's not a lot of a crap there, but it's all dysfunct. We're going to learn if you want to learn first how to operate in faith for your own personal life, but then I'll also how to take the enemy out of his game and beat him in his game. That's what you're called to do. See, you are called to take the land. You just don't know it. You're called to it. What level that, I'm not exactly sure. What level the battle, whether it's operate as a private or a corporal or a sergeant. You know, I'm sure of one thing, you're not going to be a general because we got one. He's up here. He ain't near. He's up there. He's in heaven. The one general. We got one general in this game. That's it. You know, we're going to go by his realm. Because of what I'm learning, and I'll, I'll teach you a little bit about more of the actual art of warfare and how you look at the enemy, how you look at his uh, strength, and how you defeat him, how you figure and understanding his strengths and weaknesses and how you beat him at his strengths and weaknesses. That's what he does to us. But the first one he does is get you to fear, and you have to get rid of it. If you're going to go into real battle with the enemy, it cannot exist in your whole being anywhere. You cannot be afraid of anything, anytime, anywhere, period. And the moment that fear comes into your life, you've got to get, dump it. You can't have it. It will not work in you. So, no room for doubt. Go to the next slide. Uh, uh, we're way off on the slides. I don't know where it is. Matthew, uh, uh, let me see if that's the one I want. That's what happened. Like I said, the message was not completely done yet. Okay, go to Matthew 21, 21 through 22. I'll read it here. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. 
If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what is done to the fig tree, but you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, which I read this before, told you before, and it will be done. If you believe and you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Is this word true or is it a lie? The doubt that comes in there when you say that, because if you think of what you may have to try, is called fear. I want to identify where it has no more room to, to do anything in you. So, how are you going to get rid of it, guys? Go ahead, Eric. I went to prayer um, this morning for a long while. And God spoke to me, and, and you're the direct ratio or relationship with your faith is to how much word you have in you. And, and he was showing me that, he talked about it in First John, that it's by faith we overcome the world or the, the, the loss and the things that the, end of, the, the enemies battle around. So that there's a renewal on that. So what you find is that you have to get more of the word. And when you, when you read it and you're, you're sitting under the word, you have to receive it and believe it. And, and then it becomes congruent and part of you. And then what happens, your mind gets transformed where you're actually you're meditating on the Word more than the, all the distractions. And then when they come, there's an anointing on the Word. When, when, you, when you're in agreement with the Word, it says in Hebrews 4 that it's living alive and active, it's sharper than two and sore, able to pierce the division of the soul, spirit, bone, and marrow, discern the intent of the heart. There's an anointing on the Word. So we get more of that Word if we, if we begin to, to, to feed on it in our mind and saturate our mind and get all the distractions out of our mind. The, the presence of God comes along with that, and we're able, because it's, it's, uh, faith comes by hearing that word. That's the starting point. As you believe it and act upon it, it also reinforces it, and you get stronger and stronger. You're able to push the assault of, of all those distractions, lies, and deceptions that come at you to draw you out in the carnal realm. So that's, that's a big factor. That's a big factor, you know, dwelling in, uh, in, in the word. And also having the Lord's presence just as you pray and have him in there. But I'm actually talking about even the more practical part of it right now. I'm talking about that. That I want you guys to try this with me for a minute. Uh, everybody sick here? Everybody sick? All right. Who else? Okay, two, three people. Okay. All right. Okay, four. All right. You guys four stand up, and I want you guys to gather around them. All right? Now, okay, gather around those four people equally around there. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to see the, I want you to ask the Lord what's going on in them. Okay. I want you to, you to, so in other words, you're, gonna, I'm gonna, you're basically asking the Lord for a word of knowledge. Now, does the first time you operate something like this, it always work? Do you get things right the first time you've ever do anything? No, it doesn't matter. The truth is the truth, and as you walk down this road, you will put out the darkness that's before you, and faith will come in you. You'll choose to believe. Remember John Weber used to say, I, I, I believe my beliefs and I doubt my doubts. That's nice, and that's a start for it. I want you to go farther than that. I want you to go where you actually, literally as you pray, and they have those doubts come in, I want you to press them out. 
The doubt, they have, it has no room here. You, you can sit there and quote the scriptures out and say, you know, there's no, that, that will have some effect. I find that per, personally, just spiritually in my spirit realm, just pressing it out works for me. That may not work for you. I can't, I don't know if it works for everyone that way. But whatever it is, I want you to experiment with it. And I, I, not only this time, but I want you to experiment all the week. Because the idea is, from here on out, everything you do, you have no room for that doubt to be in there. No room, none of that nagging fear, none of that nagging doubt, none of that nagging question. You're just going to press it out. You're going to be listening to God. You're going to press it out. And you're going to ask the Lord to just fill you with a love and faith as you go through. So you're going to replace it with faith. And you're just going to, we're going to mark those words. Sometimes when we walk down a road and we find something by accident, we have the trouble getting back there. This time we're putting markers as we walk down the road so you'll know how to get back there. I want to set a route in you, a route in you, that you can be able to do this on a continual basis. That we no longer be impotent Christians, but we'd be Christians that walk in faith and walk and do only what the Father says. So I want you to try this on that, and we're, we're just gonna, we're gonna go for it. I would, uh, ask, ask the Lord what He wants to do. We'll remove pain, whatever He wants to do. Again, remember, and then try it. And as soon, the big thing we're gonna pay attention to is that fear. We're paying attention to what's going on in us. Fear coming up, push it out. Fear coming up, push it out. Do not allow, be as ruthless as you've ever been in your entire life with anything, with this fear. Because if the enemy can get you to fear, and doubt, he's won. So the whole battle is in you to get rid of fear and, and doubt. Okay? All right? So let's go for it and try it. Don't tell them too much of what's the matter with you. I want them to ask. Ask the Lord what's the matter. Don't even tell them what's the matter. Okay, you're going to get words of knowledge. Hey, guys, what's happening with you? All right, guys, stop praying for just a minute. So what's happening? Stop praying. Okay, what's happening with you guys? Who is feeling fear coming in there, and who has had an experience with pressing it back? At... Uh, that, that was a good example of fear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're going to push that out of you. Yeah, the thing is, uh, when I pray or when I ask for a uh, word of knowledge or something, the thing comes that comes to my mind is, well, what if I miss it? Whether if I'm in the prophetic, doing the prophetic, or in any kind of supernatural, the thought comes, what, what if I miss it? What if I'm off so... What I'm doing is, the way I'm pressing it off is saying, you know, I don't really care. I'm just going to do it. If I miss it, I miss it. And um, that's how I, I, I push away from that thought. Because uh, one of the things I learned when I was uh, uh, interning before is that that's very helpful is that I'm learning. I'm in school. I'm, I'm learning. We're learning. We're, we're practicing. Mm-hmm. So if we miss it, we miss it. You guys. This is practice. Like That's why I stopped you in the middle of your prayer because I want you to know this is practice. We're not like a highly experienced ministers that can get stuff accurately. We're just we're learning. Did you? But you hear what he said? Now he pushed that stuff back. 
Those things, those familiar spirits that says, well, what if I miss it? It sounds a little noble. It sounds a little righteous, you know, like I'm concerned that I would do this right or wrong. Remember the banner of the enemy? Righteousness, you know, this uh, this over, uh, I can't remember how to put it. But it, that's what the enemy does. It, it comes in the form of, you know, for what's best often. Now, if that doesn't work for what's best or what's right, then he'll come in a different way. But that's a good example of the fear, which I've have experienced a million times too, so I'm not picking on you. But I want to hear who else has an example of it. Okay. Well, I know sometimes what's really important is that when you when you sense the Lord, don't hesitate. If you hesitate, that's fear, and so you've got to step out and knowing that it's not your ability and power. And what I had to grow out of was analyze, okay, and try to overanalyze and, and go into my spirit and my heart and go with my heart. And trust that God's going to be there. He's going to respond. And as I, as, I, as I take a step of obedience, he shows up. But whenever I analyze or try to figure things out and I pause, that for me was a form of fear. And it, it caused stagnancy uh, in, in that particular situation. Okay, good. Who else? I, I'm going near you because I want to pick up with my mic. Okay. I become too self-focused. I'll be like, what am I doing wrong? How come I'm not doing it right? <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. That's all fear-based. You know what right. I mean? That's uh-huh. what happens to me a lot. Okay, you have no room for that anymore. Yeah. That does not exist anymore. You can't. Okay, who else? Eric's playing, praying for Sebastian. I'm standing behind him. I'm not touching him this far away. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I can feel like a complete difference inside of me. I'm like getting cold and like freezing cold. They're noticing it. What did you get out of it? All of a sudden, there was just like a hatred spirit. Just, just like... Rah. Like, and I, I got that when we were done with Sebastian, you needed to come into the center, and we needed to pray that yeah, off with him. Yeah, yeah, he got yeah. hit. Because I was like, I could just... Go for it. I felt when I prayed, he was, like, he was in the impact, in the blast zone. And yeah. 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 I got the yeah. shrapnel. Yeah. <laughs> it was... Very odd. I mean, I was standing behind him. He sees it lead him, and she sees it like, come on me. I'm going, oh, this is not good. <laughs> okay, so we're going to pray for you now to get rid of that thing. Cold, like cold, cold. And if the Spirit's looking for a, a, a body to get a hold of, so yeah, the louder you, you got, the colder you, I got. If you, if you fear, if you're in a room where they're dealing with warfare, and you open up, the enemy will leave and possibly get on you. So when you're in that environment, you have to stand Does that make you afraid, what he just said? Okay, now that, you're going to have to deal with that every time that comes in you. This is to make you super aware of what goes on in you. So when that stuff comes, ah, let me tell you what, you have no fear of that stuff because it really can't stay on you. If you have big fear, what is that? Darkness, void, you know. If, if you sit and you press back, the enemy does not have the power over you. He really does not. You just have to realize it. So guys, pray for him. But first, any other ones? Any other ones that had any experience with that? Huh? Oh, okay, let's go ahead and pray. Okay, go for it, guys. Anybody else pray?